Welcome to the Wellcast. Life is messy. We're here to help you sort it out. Welcome to another episode of the Wellcast. I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Jordan Hogue, diving into an episode with Melissa Denisi. And if you know Melissa, she's fantastic. If you don't know her, she's still fantastic, and you should know her. But she's bringing a vulnerable episode today, and we're talking about really her journey, hers and Santino, her husband, their journey. It's my boy. Yeah, their journey through the infertility and adoption process that they walked through mm. uh, really for both of their kids. And it was just a really touching episode as she walked through kind of the, the hurt, the pain, the process of it all. Melissa well, is like a, she's a gift to our church and she's a gift to our staff. If you know her, then you know that her heart is to see God glorified through her story and through her life. And my wife and I, Jamie, we've been touched by this issue in certain ways, you know, we've talked a lot about our our son, Rowan, and his craziness. He's two and a half years old. But, you know, we went through a season of infertility and for a couple years of that question of, you know, will we be able to have kids? Is this ever going to happen? You know, every month you get the same answer of, oh, it's not going to happen this month. And you have to wait a whole nother month. And, you know, what other process is there where it's like, Wait a month to even find out if it worked again, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm interested because Melissa talks about that from the the woman's perspective, mm-hmm. but from the man's perspective, what what was that like for you? What was the hard parts, you know, uh, of that journey for you yeah. as, as the husband? Well, I'll tell you, like that season, I probably cycled in and out of health, and I think when I was healthy, it looked like me doing everything I could to support my wife in her journey because it really does take a mental toll on the wife or the woman as she can't help but feel like, you know, what's wrong with me? And my wife asks that question a lot, like, you know, and even to the point of apologizing to me. Which must be weird because usually you're the one asking what's wrong with Yeah, you. that's my role in the yeah. marriage usually. Yeah. And also me apologizing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think for me it's the comfort reassuring husband the one that makes sure that I replace those lies with the truth that God gives and that he's not punishing us. He's not that there's something valuable in this, even though it's so difficult and that he still loves us and has us in mind and that our desire to be parents is placed there by him. And even if it's not through natural means, then it's going to be met. He's put that desire in our heart, whether or not it's somebody else's kid that becomes ours or our kid who we make together. And so yeah. by his grace, we have a beautiful boy now. That you're potty training. We are potty training. Currently potty training, which is an yeah. exciting time in any parent's life. Yeah, and honestly, it is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he got, he's got number one down pretty good. Yeah. You know, we had some friends that they're like, hey, they'll just have to kind of go in their pants a few times and they'll realize they don't like it. Yeah. I don't think that's the story for my son. <laughs> we we were in a meeting the other day and a well-meaning younger person who has no kids said, well, they'll he'll, he'll potty train eventually because nobody's like 25 and doesn't know how to go to the bathroom. I was like, <laughs> that's not the point. Yeah. There are plenty of eight-year-olds that still don't know how to go in the, in yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, I would not so. like my kid to be in the third grade and in yes, diapers. Yes, the third grade yeah. in diapers. So. so, I mean, that journey for Jamie and I, I would say I covered some of the health and I would say in unhealth, man, I, I turned to lesser things out of feeling fear and anxiety. As a husband, 
you feel so helpless in that moment. You know, there's a couple tests that pertain to you. Once you answer those questions for your own health, you're just like, I don't know what to do. Like I, at times I wish that it was my physical issue and just asking the Lord like, hey, I feel like I could handle this. Right. I could take this. Wanting to take that pain away and then not knowing what to do with it, feeling that insufficiency, then putting that thing into food. You know, I've talked a lot transparency, uh, transparently on this podcast just about like my sin issues and, yeah. you know, food and turning to comfort, lesser loves, or even escapism, man. Yeah. Like being like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be there for her. So I'm going to just check out on my phone. I'm going to, I'm going to avoid these feelings rather than diving in in a healthy way. And so I would say by God's grace, he lifted us through that. He, and even if he didn't give us Rowan, man, I, I really feel like we got to a place where we surrendered it to him. Yeah. And I don't think that that surrender gave us our baby. It's not a formula. Sure. But I do think that God used that to show us that he really loves and cares for us. And well, he works through those valley seasons of our life. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a lot of times we look back and we're grateful for those times, even though in the, in a, the middle of it, it's, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. I think this topic is so relevant in our church and in the church in America because there seems to be an uptick for some reason. I don't know if it's like the processed foods or we're staying up later or, or what, yeah. but there's an uptick in infertility. I, I've experienced it in my friend groups. I've experienced it on our staff. You know, and at the very least, I don't know the statistics on that, but at the very least, there's a larger measure of normality between yeah. people who are talking about it. Well, right? there's a more of an awareness also. Yeah. And I think it's just really interesting to hear Melissa in this episode talk about the fulfillment of adoption mm -hmm. is an amazing thing because I know some people who are going through infertility are dealing with the concept or the struggle that they don't know if they could be fulfilled unless yeah. they have biological children. But Melissa is so fulfilled as a yeah. mother with these two beautiful children that the Lord has given her by different means mm -hmm. than biologically. And yeah, and Frankie's in Rowan's kids' ministry classroom yeah. on Sunday mornings. Yeah, and down at our Fig Garden campus. It's so cool to see them together. I, I think infertility is a sliver of the pie for adoption, but I think another yeah. sort of narrative in this episode is that adoption is a Christian value. Yeah, It comes from our theology in Christ, being adopted into the family of God, the kingdom family, having a Savior. And then the way that that plays out is often Christian people sacrificing finance and home and comfort for other people's babies to make sure that they feel valued as image bearers, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, you've thought about this, you've wrestled with this as a campus pastor, and we're kind of like moving our church towards some initiatives. Like, can you just let us know a little bit about that? Yeah, so we haven't really made it completely public yet, but I guess I'll let you in the behind the scenes. But we see at the North Campus, as, as campus pastors, we think about ministry, we see adoption and foster care as an outreach opportunity for Christian families to bring kids without you know, families or healthy families into their home and mm. introduce them to Christ and the things of God is an incredible opportunity. But it also, through foster care and adoption, we solve problems throughout our whole society. So we had the wonderful co-founders of AIM came and spoke to our church about the things that, that God's doing in Cambodia. One of the things that they mentioned is the importance of foster care and adoption here in the United States oh, to wow. prevent human trafficking. Mm. But we also see the benefit of foster care and adoption when it comes to racial reconciliation or breaking down barriers 
racially when it comes to adoption. Mm -hmm. Mixed race families because of adoption is a beautiful thing and really puts on display what heaven is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And so we we want to we want to work in this realm of foster care and adoption to to reach out to parents, uh, bio parents of the kids, to mm-hmm. reach out to the social workers, and to reach out to these kids who need homes, and really ask the question, Jordan, what would it look like if there was a longer waiting list for parents to get kids than for kids to get parents? Mm. Like if we solve the homelessness issue amongst kids in our county. It could be a beautiful thing, and all of those kids get brought into Christian homes. Yeah, what an incredible gospel image to our city, right? Yeah, so we've got a team working on it right now. Stand by, because this fall we're going to roll it out, and we're excited to to really bring some awareness, provide some care and training and community for foster care and adoptive families. So, you know, I, t- I have a friend who I talked to the other day, and him and his wife, they feel so strongly about the beauty of this and the gospel message behind adoption that they decided to forgo even having their own natural kids in which they they can have. And I thought that was really beautiful, yeah. you know? And so I hope no matter where you guys are at in your journey listening to this, that you do consider, you know, we don't want people who shouldn't adopt to adopt. Right. <laughs> you know, we've all seen disaster stories from sure. those situations. But we just want you to understand God's heart for adoption through Melissa's story and enjoy uh, listening to just, I mean, somebody who really is a valuable voice in our city and in our church. Yeah, so let's dive into this episode with Melissa Denisi on her story with infertility and foster care and adoption. So let's dive in. We are here with Melissa Denisi, who runs Women's Equipping around here at The Well. And hey, we're excited to have you here. Say hi to the people, Melissa. Hi to the people. I love to be here. The people that are listening have no clue that you just did four takes and nailed it this (laughs) time. Yes, the deal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Cold open. It wasn't easy for me, guys. (laughs) You you crushed it the fourth time. Yeah, I think you should change your name to Miss Lissa. Miss Lissa. I think that sounds like you're like a lunch lady. Yeah, that's what all the kindergartners (laughs) call me. Miss Lissa, can I have some more corn? Yeah. Yeah. For the record it's melissa denise melissa denise yeah it's true and you married into the italianness but are mm-hmm. you italian i am not italian oh. um i've been told i look italian i have been asked by many italian women if i'm italian and then when i have to say <laughs> no they've said well that's okay more so importantly, i've been, <laughs> more importantly, I've been allowed make, into the family you make, right. do you make a good lasagna i don't no she's a vegetarian i don't i know i am not even a good cook i don't no that's not true you made gnocchi for us at your house and it was did? delicious oh good see that's probably because it's potatoes the one exactly yes. <laughs> i use the sauce that santino probably made and then i he makes a good gravy he well, makes good he's he likes to cook that's my favorite thing when old italian ladies call, call it, it gravy. gravy yeah that's what grandma rosemary grandma's gravy mm-hmm. <laughs> yum yeah. Is that what your grandma sounds like? Uh, that's me as a grandma. Oh, got it. I'm excited to see that later in life. Oh, man. Uh, hey, well, we're excited to have you here today. And we're talking a little bit about your story with just infertility and adoption and uh, the journey that you and Santino, your husband, have been on throughout the years. So why don't you kind of run it back, back it up, give us your journey with, hey, I'm married, love this man, 
we have dreams of a family and then where are you going from there okay so actually we will be celebrating 15 years what, of what? marriage in a couple weeks yeah and so we were married, I don't know, probably four or five years. I was teaching full-time. He was working for Fresno Unified in the finance department, and yeah, we were content. Real, he's a real awesome nerd. He is. <laughs> yeah. He numbers, budgets, that is his thing, not my thing. So we were we were married, I don't know, maybe around four or five years when we started having the conversation. I think my sister had kids, and so we were like, maybe it's our time, but content, I worked with kids, so I saw the good and the bad of, you know, <laughs> how hard it is to care for kids. But we realized, oh, it's kind of weird. We've been married five years. Nothing's happened. Started going to the doctor. Had some things diagnosed and started our our infertility journey. You know, I went through surgeries. We went through hormone treatments. Had what felt like a million people praying for us. I was very open with our journey. Mm wrote about it, taught about it, talked about it, shared about it. It was really hard. It feels like the one thing as a woman you should be able to do, and it wasn't happening for us. Mm. And so I actually went through a lot of just kind of questioning even like, what is biblical womanhood? If it isn't motherhood, how do I live out this calling as a disciple of Christ? Interesting. If I never it's, do... It's kind of inside, it's like an innate desire yeah. for most women, right? So yeah. you had to battle with, well, what, what does it look like if that's not yeah. my story? Right. Right. And so, so much of what you read on biblical womanhood, I just did air quotes, even yes. though you all can't <laughs> see that, but for the listeners. had to do with mothering and being a wife. And so it felt like, I felt like an outsider. I felt mm. like an outsider in this whole yeah, kind of. start asking questions of what if this never is my story. Yeah. And, and even at that, I had, I had always had the desire to adopt. I had loved other people's kids through teaching. And, you know, I, I knew that feeling. And so I'd always had that desire. And so I think probably deep down, even through all the surgeries, all the doctor's appointments, I knew I would be a mom. I didn't know if it would happen in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So after about, I want to say maybe five years of like intense, you know, monthly appointments, we'd take a break here and there and, and hormone treatments and all that stuff. At the end of 2016, we kind of gave it those last six months of that year. We said, okay, let's let's go all in. And if this doesn't happen for us, let's stop and, and ask the Lord what's next. Now tell me, so you talked about being open with your journey. Uh-huh. Do you feel like that was helpful uh, for you going through the process? Was, were there hard parts about that? Would you do it the same? You know, it was helpful sometimes. Mm. What ended up happening was a lot of people giving me really, really hurtful and unhelpful advice. Mm -hmm. So as for, you know, if 10 people knew about it and they were praying, I would have two or three tell me things like, you know, you're just really stressed out. You should just stop stressing and then it would happen for you. Or um, telling me weird things to eat or, you know, just all kinds of things that were really hurtful and unhelpful. Yeah. yeah. And for us, it was doctors in a room and instructing you when and what. And so, no, it was not a fun process. Yeah. It was not a fun process. So I would say for anyone who is going through infertility, find safe people you can share with. Like that's something that was a benefit is I found out there are a lot of women 
in our church, mm-hmm. walking through this and sitting alone, isolated, embarrassed, ashamed, feeling like it is your fault, and then you open up to someone and they say something hurtful or dismissive. Yeah. Well, don't worry about it. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And so I would say find safe people and definitely definitely share about it. But the other thing was I, I was also leading this public ministry talking about it, going through it, and then I had women coming to me to process, and it was kind of like, I can't help you while I'm yeah. also walking through. You know, yeah. I'm hurting too. I don't have... So you would suggest for those who it's possible have a deep smaller circle. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there and there are women in our church who are on the other side of that. You know, thankfully I had a woman reach out to me and she told me that she went through this. She did end up conceiving, but she said she had met with people who ended up, you know, moving on from infertility and had their own children and were content. Others that adopted and were content. Others that never did have children and were content. So she kind of was telling me, like, whatever that path is, you can find contentment wherever it leads you. Yeah. So, but with that, everyone's infertility journey is different. Mm -hmm. I am actually, I don't know very many women who have gone through infertility and not conceived. So again, I kind of felt like an outsider, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. our family story did end up, in adoption, which I'm yeah. so thankful for. Which I so. do want to get to. And okay. that's the that's the hope, you know, of the story. But I also I wondered, you know, we talked a little bit about what didn't bring you peace in mm-hmm. the midst of that journey. But what did? Like what brought you what brought you and Centino peace as you walked through a really hard time? You know, one of the things I would ask people when they would say, How can I pray for you? And you would think I'd say, Pray we get a baby, right? I never did. I I would ask for, I shouldn't say I never did. I did say, yeah, pray for that. But (laughs) my first prayer request was to pray for our friendship. I didn't want this to be everything in our marriage. And it can really consume you and it can tear you apart. And he was great, but he couldn't understand what I was going through Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, all of that stuff. So I asked for people to pray for our friendship to stay strong. And then obviously just staying anchored in the Lord in this time. So my identity as his daughter had to be greater than my identity of ever becoming a mother. And I think sometimes infertility can feel like idolatry. It starts taking mm-hmm. over your whole life and mm-hmm. it, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Or So I think at that time I was leading Bible study and I was, I was in it. You know, I was being ministered to through his word, through his people, coming together, sharing my story. So I think staying... Staying tethered to the Lord, staying tethered to what he says about you, suffering's going to come. Circumstances may not end the way you think, and it doesn't change who he is or his faithfulness to you. So, Well, I mean, for those listening, they heard a few things of what not to say mm-hmm. as their friends struggle with this thing. What, what were some life-giving relationships you had people did or said that really helped you know, it, people who listened, I think people who just, I sat on their couch, they weren't trying to fix it. They weren't trying to give me a solution or a diet or a vitamin or whatever to to fix it. It was just people who would listen and enter in and pray for me and I'm sorry. Also people who weren't quick to say, well, I went through that too and look, now I have three beautiful children or it was just people who were patient and good friends, good listeners. Mm. So, yeah, people who gave you a listening ear, mm-hmm. empathy, mm-hmm. didn't want to solve your problem in some sort of way. Yeah. yeah. 
did you feel like there's a lot of quote unquote solutions, you know, to your your infertility struggle or whatever you call it, journey. When did you get to the point where you felt like you and Santino really had to start wrestling with the idea that like, well, maybe adoption is what the Lord has for us? You know, I think we never wanted adoption to feel like, okay, this didn't work, so I guess it's plan B. Mm -hmm. You know, I've said we didn't want to adopt out of grief. We wanted to adopt out of desire. So we really had to get to that place. And it's different for every couple when Mm -hmm. you just kind of know, okay, I think we're done with pursuing this medically. And Mm -hmm. that's different points, different times. Did you ever struggle with, wrestle with the Lord, like in an angry way or frustrated way? This is not to sound super spiritual, you guys, but (laughs) I I didn't, Uh you know, I didn't. I don't know if it's because the contentment in my heart or the peace that I did have was because Mm -hmm. eventually I would become a mom, but I, you know, I tried to make sense of it, you know, and think, well, oh, uh, okay, because of all the bad stuff I had done in my life, of course something like this would, I deserve Mm. something like this. And then having to go back, that is not the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that's not the truth of who God is and what He says of me. He's so not I tried to make sense. Yeah. He's already forgiven. Exactly, and that's that. But that made sense. That was like, well, okay, that would make sense. And I kind of took it like, yeah, done a lot of bad stuff. So maybe that. But that was not the truth. But I don't think I ever had anger. I just, I mean, I had pain in the time I was leading a life group in my living room for five straight semesters. A different woman got pregnant, and so that mm. that calls into question. One author had put it in a way, she said, I believed God was good, but I didn't believe God was good to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think I had to wrestle with that. Like, I know you hear me. I know you love me. I know you're good. I can't figure out why this is a no for us and a yes for so many other people. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think anger was there. I think it was just sad. trusting him, sad, but not... Um, not doubting. I mean, you look all through scripture, all the people we know have suffered hard things and made it out on the other side. So I knew mm-hmm. this life wasn't guaranteed everything to be perfect, but still hard. And so taking that to him and, and to people around me to process through. So what did you guys do in that time to bind your marriage and, it's a, you know, avoid the sort of like breaking of friendship and love? I think we gave a lot of grace. So there, it felt like there was always one of us that was strong and the other that was weak, you know, so mm-hmm. we could figure out like, okay, this isn't really about me, what you're doing right now. I know that you may have anger and it's coming out in this way, or you may have sadness and it's coming out in this way. So I think having grace, having, talking about it, leaving that communication open. And then for me, having people that I could process, women who had gone through it and sort of helped me do some of that so it wasn't just on Santino alone to figure out. Um, And then there were things we didn't do well, you know, like we both kind of stuff feelings. Mm -hmm. And so probably looking back, I wish I would have been more vulnerable maybe with that instead of just thinking like, I don't want to put this on him or, you know, I am sad, but I don't want to make him feel bad when he comes home from work and got to deal, you know, so, but I think he would have wanted to know that. And I would have wanted to know that with him too, but Mm. we both kind of, yeah. Don't do that. I'm telling you guys, don't do that. That's yeah. what we did. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, one of the things that that I love about God, maybe the greatest thing, is that He's a God of redemption. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't He doesn't keep us from trials. He doesn't keep us from hard times. He doesn't keep us from sickness or 
or things that we wish were different, but he has a, just an incredible way of redeeming those things and providing us things that are greater than we could have ever hoped or imagined. And, you know, I see all of your, I don't know if you know this, but I follow you on Instagram. I see all of your mom videos. Uh, and <laughs> I post a lot, but I don't skip through them cause they're, they're incredible. And, and I see Frankie and Mateo and the love that you guys have for them. And I just, I know we were talking a little bit before we sat down to record, but you can't imagine your life different than it is right now. So talk a little bit about the adoption process, what that was like, and the impact that those two beautiful kids have had on your life. You know, I think I was ready to adopt before Santina was. And most women that I talk to usually are. There's a warmth in our hearts. And so it was actually, so I was waiting through the journey of infertility and yet also waiting for my husband's heart to be ready to do that because you cannot as much as we want to try and convince or control or whatever he had to be ready to do that so I I was ready I knew I was waiting on him and like I said at the end of that year when it didn't happen that's when we started the conversation of okay let's let's look into this so we actually went to the orphan care summit Summit, Whitney Bunker is a good friend she helped walk through both of our adoptions, but going there and just getting a little bit of exposure about orphan care and even the different types of adoptions just kind of, I think for him, opened his eyes. And so we did, we did not go through foster care. We did, both of our adoptions were domestic infant adoptions. And so that is where you're matched with a birth mom who is making that incredibly difficult decision to have an adoption plan for her child. A decision, by the way, that we celebrate. Mm-hmm. Because, because there she are worse... chose life. Yes. She chose life. So actually, I tell people, our adoption is carrying out our pro-life ethic. Uh, this amen. is, we, if she's going to make that choice to carry to term, then we want to come in and help mm-hmm. her. I love um, that. And we went through an agency in town, Family Connections, Christian Adoptions, and they, they minister to the birth mom. So they care about her before, during, and after. And so we know that that they get the counsel that they need before, and some will choose to parent their child, which is a beautiful thing. Some will continue in the adoption plan, and they'll the family that is matched with them will walk alongside financially for her, and then they will provide up to, I think it's like six to eight weeks of care and counseling after so our stories, are both of our adoption stories, I tell people when they're considering adoption, please talk to 10 other people. Ours are not normal, okay? They, are, they happen very quickly, and we got the two best kids in the whole wide world. Mm. When we first visited Family Connections, and they, sat, they sit down and they talk you through all the different types of adoptions, all the different statistics, and they literally said to us as a fact that African-American males are the least desirable of all children to be adopted. Mm -hmm. That's the language that they used. Mm -hmm. And both... Which is heartbreaking, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Both Santino and I started to cry, and we went, okay, we're saying yes. We want, at the time, we thought son. That's Mm -hmm. what we want our son to know. He was desired. We want not just a, um, okay, you know, we wanted him to know we want you, Mm -hmm. regardless of your story, your birth mom's story, whatever it may be. So that was how we actually filled out our paperwork and, and said, yes, please. And so that, 
you go through this the process of you have to go you get physicals you turn in dmv record you know just like everybody else who wants to have a baby right you're doing all this crazy <laughs> they have stuff. to make sure you're perfect right? yeah, yeah. yeah yes the government knows anything and everything about you your history everything and i it didn't matter at that point it was like i'm coming wherever my son is i want him so whatever they need to know they come over and ask you crazy questions they walk through your house and so Usually adoptions are at least a year, maybe two years. We went from filling out paperwork to holding our son in less than six months. So we were matched with a birth mom before our initial home study was even approved. And she was due in three weeks. And Mateo came 10 days after we were matched. So everything was very speedy, very quick. And in fact, our life group at the time. yeah. Yeah. Our life group at the time when we were matched, they threw us a baby shower because even three weeks felt like, oh my gosh, we just went, you know, 12 years from being the two of us to now we're going to have a little baby here. We need stuff. We had no bottles, no diapers, no onesies, whatever. So they, they're throwing us a baby shower and we don't know it, but as we are praying for Mateo's birth mom, he's being born. So mm-hmm. we didn't know he was coming early the night that we're there praying for her. He's being born the next morning. We get a call. And we go and pick up Mateo. And so a year or so later, we go, we want to have kids close in age. We want to have a little brother for Mateo. Let's let's start the process because, oh, surely our first one went quickly. The second one will take forever, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So let's let's get this done quick so that way we can have kids close in age. And we do the whole process. And again, we're not even approved in our home study yet. It's being processed by our, you know, the head guy or whatever, We're, we are out doing yard work on a Saturday. Santino comes in. He falls asleep on the couch, taking a nap. I get a call. Your daughter's been born. She's She was born yesterday. You need to come to the hospital and pick her up today. And we went, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Our daughter? And yeah. what? What? We don't even – we just mailed our profile to this agency. We didn't even know if they had it yet. They had it in a stack of mail. They grabbed it, showed it to birth mom. And that is how we drove to get Frankie. Friday night, we're home watching cooking shows. Saturday, we bring Frankie. By Sunday night again, we're home watching cooking shows with our second baby. So two babies in 19 months. They're 19 months apart. They look – Frankie's a big girl. Mateo's kind of a little guy, so they look almost (laughs) the same same size. (laughs) So, yeah, that's our – Well, I have plenty of tips for parenting girls, so I will help with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a girl. Girls, yeah, but, you know, parenting a little girl is – Yeah, it can be the best. It can be the hardest. They're different. Now, as we kind of wrap up, what what would you tell someone who's sitting in the shoes that you've been in? So whether it's someone who's going through infertility right now and or somebody who's walking through the adoption process, not sure what the future holds for them. Well, I think with infertility, not every story is going to end up with adoption or conceiving. So I think that you you and your husband, you and your wife need to be in a place where you're both in agreement of what is next for you because some people I remember being in the doctor's office and he said oh yeah this this woman's come in for you know five years still hoping to get pregnant and I remember thinking I can't do this for five years Mm -hmm. but for some people that's their story and it ends with what what's supposed to happen so I would say that you and your spouse be in alignment there and and really do the work in your heart of 
of trusting God, even if it doesn't end the way you think it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Because we could not have picked this story, and I am so thankful to be living it. I am so thankful to be Mateo and Frankie's mom. I love them so much. I, When they were first born, I would tell people, don't you even think we look alike? I mean, we don't. They're both biracial. But I felt that. I felt so motherly towards them I that... You have curly hair. I have. We do yeah. have curly hair. Yeah. I, we, t- we have curly hair at that. And then for adoption, the same thing too. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas out there about why to adopt or even motives for adopting. And so that I would say definitely do some research. Talk to other families that have gone through it. Some who've done foster care. Some who've done this type of adoption. And again, do the hard work. Why? Why? Why are you wanting to do that? It's a beautiful thing. But it can also be a messy thing. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, taking time to explore that too. So. And what did you say? Uh, a recommendation to adopt out of desire, desire not, grief. not grief. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, yeah. So. Cool. Well, thank you, Melissa. Yeah. We really appreciate you coming, sharing your story with us. And we hope that you guys really benefit from this. I mean, it's been awesome. You've been hearing it. And I love, we're kind of neighbors, you know, we live a, less than a mile from each other and it's it's so fun being to just see your your family the way you guys have come together and your beautiful home and uh how you love your kids and i'm looking forward to loving my son the way you guys love mateo and maybe they'll play on like a baseball team at some point or something together so cool well thank you and uh we'll see you guys soon thank you for listening to this episode of the wellcast as always don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us For more information about the Well Community Church, visit thewellcommunity.org.